2: Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
3: Cincinnati Bengals are undoubtedly a very hot team right now, but is it sustainable, especially with defenses getting tougher down the stretch? Let's get into it.
2: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisco, joined today by Mike Santagata at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter, one of the hosts of the Always Game Day in Cincinnati podcast. We're going to get some film takeaways and look ahead a little bit in terms of expectations for this Bengals team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, down the stretch against four of the best defenses in football. Coming off a couple of games against defenses, that. Whether stylistically or statistically, seem to be good matchups. In addition to the Bengals' offensive coaching staff and players making some good adjustments in execution, we'll get into those topics and more film takeaways today in an episode brought to you by FanDuel. Right now, new customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets for any winning five dollar money line bet. That's one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets if your team wins. If the Bengals win, that's a FanDuel.com/slash locked on to get started if you're new to the show you can find us on youtube anywhere you get your podcasts The video sometimes adds a little bit of something if you're not watching on youtube otherwise we're available on all the audio platforms as well and mike we're going to start out discussing this offense which yesterday james and i just spent a ton of time crediting for their adaptations especially the last two weeks a very different style of play no empty more under center more play action more screen game uh, Paul Daner Jr. points out that they're not actually running the ball more in neutral game script situations, meaning early downs where the score is actually close, which is an interesting caveat that I'll point out to yesterday's show. Um, and there's more to that conversation. I think we'll see if we have time to talk about it today. But the biggest question to me is, as you look at the way that they've been very, very good on offense the last two games, how much of that to you is a product of a very good game plan against the style of defense? the Bengals played in those games.
0: Yeah. I think you could attribute a little bit to it just because the run games worked the past two weeks. And I felt like the run game worked partially because the run game plan was really good. The past two weeks, they went from kind of trapping the ends with different run run schemes to this week. They were messing with the interior of the Colts defensive line, wham trap crunch and the screen passes too. They're all there. Basically screen passes could go to the ends too, but, uh, they're there to kind of trap those guys, slow them down a little bit and hit it when they get too far upfield. So does that continue? Can you sustain the success of screen passes and the run game and things that are really easy on a quarterback, a backup quarterback, or is this where it gets more difficult? Is this where they uh, push them into some of those negative game scripts and situations they may need to pass the ball? But yeah, I, I would attribute some of it to, the game plans and the game script and how everything is gone. But I do think all the guys probably deserve plenty of credit too, because they're all executing much better than they were, especially against Pittsburgh. Thinking of the run plays against Pittsburgh, there's always one guy and Mm -hmm. it's just, he ruined the whole play. The block was bad enough that it ruined the entire play. Maybe it was on the front side, so it was a more important block. And now you're not really getting that. If a guy misses a block, it's on the back side. They're staying in front. You know, it's just kind of like a slight loss rather than a drastic loss. Mm-hmm. And they're running the ball really well. I think staying ahead of the sticks and kind of protecting yourself from having to get into a, a voluminous passing game is helpful. Voluminous volume volume Vo- volume Vo- is that right anyway
3: <laughs> along the lines of the running game i think there's two topics there one is are they doing things differently the answer to that question is yes you just pointed that out in in your last answer they're running way more of this trap wham cr- you mentioned crunch as well more of these kinds of plays A little bit less in terms of inside zone and duo, even though those are still plays of Bengals run. Part of that, I think, is evident when you see Chase Brown come onto the field. And there are a lot of fans, actually, that I've seen talking this week on social media or have messaged me directly and are asking, yeah, you can give the coaches credit, but what are we doing about Chase Brown? Why did it take so long for him to get on the field? To me, the answer is partially. I don't think he was ready in the early part of the season. Maybe they could have gotten to him a couple of weeks earlier instead of waiting until the bye. And then he got hurt coming out of the bye. And he would have been a bigger part of the game plan. That was clearly the plan. If you'd listen to any of the coaches, both even the game before the bye and certainly after the bye, they're like, yeah, we, we want to do it. We just have to do it. Then he comes back from the injury and they make a concerted effort to get him on the field. But... What's interesting, and and this started with an observation from Matt Waldman, they're making things easy on Chase Brown, much like they're making things easy on Jake Browning. They're not asking him to make a bunch of pre-snap manipulations of the second level and reads before he gets, not pre-snap, pre-line of scrimmage, before he gets to the line of scrimmage, making making decisions to set up his blocks. They're getting him downhill. They're letting him use his athleticism, which I think is really smart, but also kind of speaks to why there wasn't a ton of volume necessarily available for the kinds of plays that he's excelling at, and they think that he can excel at based on his usage, right?
0: Yeah, and he's a rookie running back, and his early returns were the game's moving fast for him. You could make the argument, well, you should have sprinkled him in until it slowed down a little bit, but it also is like, well, after the buy, things kind of slow down sometimes for these rookies, and it appears to have done that a little bit for Chase Brown, but yes, when you look at They're making things easy on him. They're not asking him to run tight zone and duo. They're asking him to run things with clear defined reads, kind of like designer runs. You can think back to the Jags game. Most of his runs were that bend play where, you know what you're doing, take three steps forward, stop on that right foot or left foot, stop on your outside foot and cut back because that's where the play is going to hit. And it worked, but he didn't have to like think or see that or there wasn't some incredible read that was designed to do that. And credit to him, he is more explosive, Mm -hmm. more athletic. And when they make – because Mixon got some of these designer runs throughout the year too, and he didn't make good on them the same way. Maybe there was some blocking there. It's not one-to-one comparison, but it is just – he's not as fast. And I think when Chase Brown is able to hit the open field on some of these plays, like crunch, like wham, like trap, like bend, all of these different concepts, toss, crack toss as well, he's gone if he could hit the open field. And that's the whole point of these. You just can't – you probably can't build the entire house out of these runs – because you're looking for a specific looks, you're looking for how the defense is going to play you here, and also if you get to those two off, you, if you get hit by trap more than I don't know two three times in a game, those interior defensive linemen probably need replaced. I mean, <laughs> it's like the fourth time you're still getting trapped that bad. It's like no, they'll they'll eventually catch on. So you kind of sprinkle those in and he's going to make the best of them. But when it comes to their run, it runs, like, I don't care what front we're getting, how the defense is playing, or we're going to run it here and we're going to run this concept that's still mixing because those are more difficult runs that you need a guy that can kind of process things better before the line of scrimmage. And there are pre-snap reads for running backs. At least the Texas university of Texas teaches them about having to read the fronts and the state, which safeties down, et cetera, just to get a feel before they get the ball. Mm -hmm. So I think that goes into it too, but it's just speed of the game mixing. It feels like sometimes the game moves, slow for him and for brown the game can sometimes move fast especially when they used to try to have him run like wide zone and all these other concepts are kind of difficult on a running back
3: so to answer the overall question yes they could have gotten to chase brown earlier they could have incorporated these ideas for chase brown earlier i think that it's four weeks later than it had to be because of the hamstring injury could it have been a couple weeks before that could he have gotten a couple touches here or there before that yes but when you look at his usage specifically, hopefully that breakdown helps you understand how they're using him. And we'll see if this changes going forward, right? Maybe him having success on these plays and using his athleticism to hit the second fastest play in the NFL this year, for Mm -hmm. example, is something that's helping slow the game down for him, helping him build confidence. And they can get to him in some of their staple plays, the plays that they're running every single game and have been running. And every NFL team, for the most part, runs every single game. We'll see. Uh, But for now, I think that that should hopefully answer some of the why not earlier on Chase Brown, even though the answer still is they could have done some of this earlier Either way, coming up next, I don't think we've really answered the question of how sustainable this style of Bengals offense is against tougher defenses. And we need to get into what made the defense so good against the Colts and how sustainable that is as well. We'll go to those topics coming up next. Today's episode of Locked On Bengals is sponsored by FanDuel. And even though we're into December, the weather is getting colder. The offers in the NFL on FanDuel are still great. They're still hot. And new customers, mentioned this, can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So you feel good about the Bengals in their second straight game against a backup or a backup's backup, depending on how you look at the Minnesota Vikings quarterback change. If the Bengals win and you bet on them on the money line, that's $150 in bonus bets at FanDuel. So if you've been thinking about joining, there's no better time to get in on the action. And they've also got spreads, player plops, over-unders, So much more. Tons of options to bet if you're looking to get creative. So visit FanDuel.com to get into this NFL season. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL.
2: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: Mike, let's get into just how sustainable this is. Jake Browning talked about this in his press conference today, which is a great segue to one of the topics I wanted to cover today, which is that the Minnesota Vikings are polar opposite in term of in terms of defensive style as the Indianapolis Colts the Colts are going to sit there and play mostly cover three for the entire game they're going to rush four for almost the entire game they'll occasionally drop a guy they'll occasionally send a blitz but it's very rare Minnesota you mentioned this to me before we started recording so credit to you for knowing this is near the bottom if not the absolute bottom of the league and sending Four man rushes are either sending three or they're sending six is how you put it. The the extremes approach, the all or nothing approaches are the words you use. So not only are we getting stylistic differences, we're also getting some differences in terms of outcomes. Minnesota's have one of the best defenses statistically and by advanced stats as well, quite strong in terms of their numbers. And that's going to be the case down the stretch. Vikings, Steelers, uh, Chiefs, Browns all top eleven, top ten defenses, depending on which stats you're looking at. So when you look at the Bengals approach the last two weeks, which has emphasized screen game, play action under center, trap, wham, crunch. How sustainable are those things against both the style and quality of defenses they'll play down the stretch?
0: So really, starting with the Vikings, my mind is just. I feel like when teams play fast like that. And they, we could talk a little bit about later. I'm sure you'll talk about your crossover, but it's not like they just send zero when they send six too. they're playing what's called hot coverage, three deep, two under two deep, three under zone coverage. So it's not like your zero beard here will work. It's like, well, they'll drop one guy out of like an eight man front and then, or two guys out of the eight man front and then have six in coverage. And now there's a guy where you were thinking you might have you, where you were hot as a quarterback. Uh, Same word for offensive defense, it's weird. But um, I think that some of this is going to be a little bit difficult to get to because what they've been doing a lot of the past two weeks are taking advantage of guys that like to get upfield. And when I think of the Steelers, they don't don't do that so much. They like to kind of slow play things. When I think of the Vikings, they might do that, especially I think their base is more often a four-down structure but they're also going to do their best to confuse the offense in the offensive line and work and stress the communication of those players to be able to pick things up, stunts and blitzes and exchanges and some guys dropping, some guys coming to replace him and just making things really tough on them up front, making them think a lot. Maybe some of those plays still work, but you could be looking at trying to trap a guy and he's not rushing up field. He's rushing in, he's slanting inside. And now you're in a bad spot because he just, went inside of the pooler and you got nobody trapping the guy you tried to trap same works on the outside too just all this different movement can mess with you so that's why i think almost like well that's kind of when you want to start going slow like if they're going to run all these different games and whatever just run inside zone and pick them up as just getting a wall pick them up and move them (laughs) and that way you can just run right behind it so we'll see i think this game is really interesting for that when you Look at the Chiefs, they do get upfield a little bit more, but they haven't – they had that one game where they were very successful running the ball, just basically running duo nonstop with Samaje Pirine, mm-hmm. but they no longer have Pirine, and the Chiefs also kind of adjusted and were able to slow it down a little bit, and the Bengals had a worse offensive line in the second matchup last year, but they also adjusted a little bit, and the guys played better on the Chiefs' defense on their front specifically – And then you look at the Browns. The Browns like to get upfield, but nobody seems to be able to trap or do all that other stuff to them, probably because it's a lot of aliens on that front. So (laughs) trap works a lot better when it's some guy that likes to get upfield rather than when it's, oh, that's Miles Garrett getting upfield. He could just you know cross right back over and (laughs) make the stop or whoever it is. Um, So I think they need to probably have a different run game plan the next few weeks. I think they might have to slow play things a little bit more and try to – When they get to designer stuff, it's more of a calculated risk on something they see on film rather than kind of knowing, you know, that guy likes to get upfield. Let's just trap him. Um, I'm not sure if I was. uh, And I think the offense just kind of goes as the run game goes, because until I see it, I, I don't know if I trust this current offense to be extremely drop back heavy and trust browning to process and see everything perfect i think they've gotten to better concepts for him in that especially in the jags game they ran some high low stuff over the middle of the field and he did a good job on it but when i'm looking at the most times that happened well that was a steelers game And the steelers game that was a disaster on offense so they kind of need to stay ahead of the sticks so that the play action stuff works so the screen stuff can work and they can control the game rather than okay we got a throw here And they know we're going to throw, and now they can get into all of their funky looks, pressures, whatever. Um, It's hard to say if it's truly going to be sustainable, but I don't think this exact offense with the trapping and trying to get guys that are going upfield out of position is going to work too much the next couple of weeks.
3: They'll need another counterpunch. They'll need to change things yeah. again. And they'll need to keep it easy for Jake Browning because what you can't have is you mentioned the Steelers game, a reversion to that version of the offense, that version of Jake Browning, where he's being asked to be Joe Burrow and trying to figure out which half of the field do I read here and where do I think the open guy is in the concept that we're running on each half of the field. I think the one, I think one of the things, not the one thing, but one of the things that they've done that's really helped Jake Browning is they've in terms of making things simpler, asked him to make those decisions where he's picking a half of the field much less frequently than they would ask Joe Burrow because he's really good at it. I talked about this yesterday to make those kinds of decisions. And that's one of the reasons that Browning has been able to figure things out. And when you see Browning in the drop back game, it's something that, you know, as a backup quarterback, you would expect would, would be maybe not quite as good as your elite, maybe top two, top one, depending on the day quarterback in the NFL in Joe Burrow. So you shouldn't have the same expectations. And if you have to play that kind of game against teams that are disciplined against the run teams that are disciplined in the screen game against play action, that's where things can get a lot tougher for the offense. And they will need to have other answers and what those answers are. Well, we'll see what they come up with, right? Because that is where it gets very challenging, but you know, they're hitting they, they hit glance on an RPO a couple of weeks ago that's something that, you know, some of that RPO game you can get back in and use to a bigger degree down the field. Where the passes are going is going to be very interesting as well because so much of what Jake Browning is doing is still happening behind the line of scrimmage, which is uh, goes back to the the conversation again that we had before the podcast that Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and co. have made Jake Browning into Brock Purdy essentially for two weeks, where Brock Purdy, I think, has like the highest EPA per play in the nfl if you eliminate all of his passes more than zero yards downfield just as backfield passes so uh some things the bengals have found to push the right buttons but it does get harder against harder defenses and if those defenses can force the bengals to act in a certain way well things will get a little bit tougher for this offense and we'll see how they adapt also want to talk about what went right for the defense and the Defense does have some easier matchups down the stretch. In fact, compared to what they've seen for much of the season, where it gets tougher for the offense, it gets easier for the defense. So maybe it just means the defense needs to step up and shoulder more of the load. And I also want to make sure we hit some individual standouts that you noticed when you were watching the tape before we get out of here. So we'll get to those topics here to finish the show coming up next. This episode of Lockdown Bengals is sponsored by Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, and we've told you about how easy it is, how quick it is to get those entries in. All you have to do is pick more or less on two to six player stat projections. If you get it right, you're going to get different returns based on how many players you include in your picks and. You'll watch those rollings, winnings roll in. Whether it's cross-sport stuff, you want to bring Jake Browning and and, and LeBron James into the same set of picks, you can do that with prize picks. They have quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types. And that's another reason that prize picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked and use promo code locked on NFL. You'll get a first deposit match right now up to $100. Again, at prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL, promo code locked on NFL will get you a first deposit match up to $100. Prize is daily fantasy sports made easy.
2: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: Mike, let's talk about this defense. Great, great game against the Colts. Trey Hendrickson demolishing another left tackle. DJ Reader with another good game. Jermaine Pratt with a bounce back in a big way. Chadobe Awuzie, playing more like vintage should obey contributions from DJ Ivy. What stood out to you the most when you saw the way this team played against the Colts and what was different compared to the way they played the three weeks prior.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it's kind of weird. Executing was a big part of it. Just like, you know, we talk all about the scheme and all this other stuff, but I feel like when the players are executing at a high level, it's like, well, players are more important than the coaches for the most part. But, um, Yeah, but you got the guys that are – I don't think they did too much different on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think they ran a lot of different stuff. It felt pretty much like what they've been doing all year, but the guys were staying stickier in coverage. The pressure was getting there, especially from Hendrickson against Bernard Raymond. and. The one guy you didn't mention that I feel like doesn't need was BJ Hill. And it wasn't just the pick. Mm-hmm. Like the pick yeah. was obviously outstanding. It was an incredible play that I think every defensive lineman probably dreams about making just like the, the balls in the air. I'm going to make the diving catch here, but he was really good in the run game and he had a, he had a pressure to definitely had one pressure on a stunt as well. So kudos to him it might've been his best game this year. And when all these guys are playing better, it just feels like, it raises the floor of everybody around them. And yeah, is kind of heating up a little bit. Um, it almost feels like the, the linebacker unit is kind of the litmus test for how is this defense doing when they're not having a great game? It feels like this defense isn't having a great game when they are having a great game. Like Jermaine Pratt did this past week, the defense is having a great game. So Whatever gets – I think part of that is the guys in front of them are probably playing better, and the guys behind them are probably playing better, and that helps them play better. But really, it's kind of boring. It's just like a lot of the guys just – they did a better job this week than they had in the past few weeks, thinking of the coverage and the pressure, and especially, I think, against the run, which they haven't done much of this year was stopping the run, but they did in this game really well. And I credit a lot of that to B.J. Hill, D.J. Reader. And the front – and Jermaine Pratt as well make some of those run-throughs that I talked about last week. It's cool to see those show up.
3: I thought Sam Hubbard was noticeably better this week too. He was going to get some backup, I think, for the Colts at right tackles. You would expect him to play pretty well, especially in the run game there. Uh, Josh Chipo, he had good PFF grades, Mike. Did, did he pop on tape to you at all in the run game, or am I catching you off guard there?
0: Uh he... I I do I have <laughs> I mainly have one specific play in my mind where he did not have a good rep, but I do think other than that, he and Carter have played better. I don't I don't think I'm going to go so far to say that they've been really good or the reason this is turned around or anything, but it does feel like when Reader and Hill leave, it is no longer the liability it once was i do think they're both playing better but yeah the, they still each will have a play a game that makes you go like oh geez like that guy's really getting driven down the field here. at
3: least at least for this one week and maybe next week minnesota doesn't necessarily have the best running game in the nfl so maybe they can run it back who knows we'll see part of it is also gardner Minshew a quarterback Not a guy that can really scare you when they get behind the chains. They only converted three third downs the entire game. I think they were all on the same drive when the Bengals got the Colts into a second and 10 or longer, I think, except for those three third downs and maybe two other second and 10 plus instances that the Colts actually convert from there. So it was really like you blow up one play, you get the Colts behind the chains once and they don't have answers. For a vast majority of the game, garbage time excluded. The one drive where the Bengals went really soft and the Colts had that one touchdown called back. I think this was before the interception, perhaps, um, where the defense looked bad. But it was a good game. And, And down the stretch, more backup quarterbacks for I think at least two teams, right? Certainly the Browns, certainly the Vikings. I think likely the Steelers I don't actually know what's going on with Kenny Pickett and then the other one is Patrick Mahomes of course not a backup but if they can keep playing well not that the Chiefs have been a good offense this year and the defense can take on more of the burden they don't necessarily need to hold opposing offenses to eight points or six points in a two-point conversion or however you want to frame it every week but if if they can say keep them under 20 maybe the Bengals can continue to find a way to get to 20 points in each of these games, 20 plus points. I mean, that might be what we're talking about here. We might be talking about 2017 games, 23, 20 games, 20, you know, in that range down the stretch, just given the quality of the defenses that the Bengals will play and the quality of the offenses, the Bengals will play. And they'll need to continue to get standout performances as well. Like, like we talked about Trey Hendrickson, bullied Bernard Raymond for that entire game they, they brought DJ Ivy in for his first, I believe, extended run on defense this year where he had 14 snaps on the defensive side of the ball, had a pass breakup and individually created a turnover on special teams. So certainly a lot of love for DJ Ivy in this game. If Cheeto can continue to play at a high level and, and show that he's more recovered than, than we've seen him all year, down the stretch another thing that will really help this team are there any other individual standout performances or plays that you wanted to make sure you highlighted because sometimes we get through this whole thing and we get to the end and we're like man we forgot to talk about you know xyz player who was really good in this game i i saw you had a couple clips of orlando or at least one clip of orlando brown and a snap snatch trap and the offensive line is a big part i think of why this team has been better the last couple of games on offense so Go ahead with your shout-outs if you got any for individual performances.
0: I think the whole offensive line probably deserves a shout-out. Yeah, the run game and the how they're playing right now is helping them a little bit, but they're still going five-man protection when at times when they do their drop-back pass stuff, and they're holding up, and they're doing a good job, and that's against a front that's gotten a lot of sacks this year, and they did it against the Jags too, where I wouldn't have placed those sacks on them particularly, but they did give up a couple sacks. But in this game, no sacks against the Colts, and the offensive line, I thought, in pass protection was really good. Um, yeah, you had their Atlanta Brown snatch trap. I also think of – Guy we didn't mention, I don't think, Um, Mike Hilton had one incredible play against a screen where he ducks under a guy and makes another guy miss and then goes and makes the tackle, and they had numbers on it. He was the only guy over there against three different offensive linemen. I think mm-hmm. it was offensive linemen blockers. It was about to be thrown if he catches that and he's gone. He did get juked on the next play, but that's fine. You know, <laughs> we're only talking about the good one right now. Um There was a Miles Murphy cross chop. He's learning something. It worked, too. It was against that backup right tackle, but it did work. And that is promising because I don't know if he had that move in college. So he's kind of developing and learning some moves.
3: They might get another backup right tackle. Brian O'Neill, I think, might not be playing for the Minnesota Vikings. Is it Adenogy? Is he still there? I think it might be Hakeem Adenogy. I guess we better look this up. But we might see old friend Hakeem Adenogy – might be David Quessenberry. Just looking at the Our Lads depth chart for Minnesota, their backup tackles are listed as David Quessenberry and Hakeem Adeniji. So we'll see who it is if Brian O'Neill, in fact, is not playing. And Could be a revenge uh, I know that he's got something he's dealing with.
0: Uh, the only other play I could think of was Dax Hill made an incredible pass breakup on a pick play yes. where they tried to get him, and he went underneath it, Minshew threw it, and he was there, right there to just knock it down, never – at one point that's why you get these athletes and these guys that are really good in man coverage that are safeties because they can make plays like that happen on occasion. And that was really cool to see. So I think I hit a lot of the plays that stuck in my mind as great plays. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, I think that's it. There was a play where uh, Alex Kappa torqued DeForest Buckner over. And at first I thought he torqued him all the way to the ground, but he, he, he trips. He does torque uh, him to the ground, I guess, but you could see his foot get caught in another player's foot and fall down well, the rest of the way. I was like, come Kappa on. Induced he put him in the that trip. position. Yeah. yeah <laughs> he probably. put him in the position.
3: And Cordell Volson has had three solid games in a row, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah, And two of those games against Pittsburgh and Indianapolis are not slouches on the defensive interior. So shout out Cordo Volson, who took a lot of heat, I think, rightfully so, early this year and at times, I think, throughout the season, but it's put together some solid games and they will need to continue to get solid games from the offensive line and this defense. If they are to keep it up tomorrow, I will be with Luke on locked on a Vikings for our crossover. We'll take a look at this upcoming matchup with the Minnesota Vikings who scored three points against the Raiders last week, which is, which is something we'll talk about the quarterback change for Minnesota. We'll talk about that Flores defense, and we'll cover all the interesting stories and matchups in this upcoming game on the crossover. Until then, thanks for listening to this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Good day, and have a good one.
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.